0: I'm in trouble, my wife's just looked at her watch. As long as she doesn't do that there, (laughs) that's when you know you're in trouble. (laughs) So 2 Samuel chapter 23. We want to read a few verses, reading from verse 8. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshua, Bathshebeth, the Tachmonite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Esnite because he had killed 800 men at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered together for battle. The men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword." The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah the son of Agi the Harite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great victory. Brought about a great victory. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. And the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold, or in that cave of Adullam, that is, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So, the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And he said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by the three mighty men. David here, in this particular passage, was in hiding in the dens and caves of the mountains. He had been anointed king, but because of a jealous and vindictive Saul, uh, he was forced into exile. Hostile, hostile Philistines were all around and were a constant threat, not only to his life, but to the lives of those 600 or so that he had gathered around him. Uh, Most of them were just ordinary people, but some of them, as we just read there, were great, mighty men, great soldiers. And so, here they are, lodged in this cave of Adullam. And from this bolt hole, he could look out and he could see the very area, the very land that he was born to be king, to be king over, And he could look further and he could see the fields around Bethlehem where he shepherded his father's sheep. Farther on he could look and he could see the very place where he fought Goliath, that great giant. And so now he's in this cave. His back is against the wall in more ways than one. And here he is, he's weary, he's tired, he's despondent, he's thirsty... And he's sitting with his spear by his side and his shield at his feet. And I can imagine him sitting there with his head in his hands. And while he's sitting there in meditation and thinking and these three great soldiers is probably quite close by and they're probably there planning their next campaign against the Philistines. But then in the quietness of the cave, David speaks. It's not a command. It's not even a suggestion. It's just actually he's thinking out loud. From the abundance of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. Have you ever thought out loud and just said something? It was just out over your mouth before you even thought about anything. And somebody says, what did you say? Oh, nothing. (laughs) Well, that's what it was like with David. He was just sitting there and he was thinking out loud. And from his heart out came these words that stumbled over his lips. Verse 15, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. What is the significance of this? What does that mean? I mean, after all, if you're thirsty, a cup of cold, clear water is just a cup of cold, clear water no matter where it comes from. Is it not? But it's more than that to David. David here was, I suppose, indulging, as it were, in a bit of escapism. It wasn't only the waters of the well that David longed for, it was the memories of the water of the well that David had been longing for. That well by the gate of Bethlehem reminded him of better days of happier days, of more carefree days, of childhood days, days of innocence, days of fun. Now life is difficult and it's tough. His life is threatened. And so he would look back. I remember as a little boy, I don't know what age it was, I must have been very, very young. And I can't ever, my father was a good father to me. Uh, He never did me any harm. He worked hard all his life to provide for his family. But the reality is, and maybe it was that generation, but the reality is I cannot ever remember one single thing that we did together. Now, maybe we did when I was just a tiny little boy, but I can't remember. Certainly growing up, I have no recollections. Uh, But what I do remember, funnily enough, is that there was a an elderly couple, just up the street from us, who were childless. For whatever reason or other, I I befriended them, and they befriended me just as a little boy. I suppose I was the wee boy they never had. And the funny thing was, to show you how young I was, I called her Granny, and he was Uncle. And for the rest of their life, that's what they got, Granny and Uncle. And uh, I remember him taking me up the river, and up the old railway that no longer was being used anymore. And he would take me up. And I mean, we would walk for a long, long, long way. And he would tell me about the birds. And he would tell me about the animals and about the fish in the river and all this. And it was wonderful. I mean, I was just, this was wonderful for me to have this. And then he would tell me whenever we come back. My mother says, well, where did you go today? And he says, we were in Australia today. <laughs> and I believed that. So I wasn't very old, was it? I didn't know where Australia was, it could have been anywhere, it could have been round the door from me. And, uh, but then I remember as a grown man with my own daughter, who was about Caitlin's age, about 10 or so, and her two cousins, who were about the same age, and turns said to me one day, Daddy, take me up the river that you went to when you were a wee boy. I says, well that's a good idea. And so we got our wellies on and went up the side of the river where the old railway was and I told her about the trout in the river and about the snipe at night, the strange noise they made that bird and the cuckoo and the corncrake and the bird's nest and we looked for bird's nest. And I remember as well, they were playing and, and there's an old waterfall, you had to take your socks and your wellies off and, well, if, if, it was too deep so you had to roll your way up to your, you know, way over your knees. And uh, and walk across that. I mean, it was dangerous, but you only live once, don't you? So you take a risk. (laughs) Sally didn't know that at the time, but there you go. And, And I remember as well, whenever I did that with them, I remember looking back as a wee boy doing the same things with Uncle Tommy. And it was a happy time. And it was a carefree time. And it was a time of innocence. You know, when you're a wee lad or a wee girl, you come home from school, you do your homework or not, depending, you throw your bag in the corner, and the rest of the day is your own, isn't it? Is it? Maybe things have changed now, I don't know. The amount of homeworks these kids get today, they're probably the whole night they're working at it. But in our day, you threw it in the corner, away you went, you'd up the river to fish or whatever you did, and it was great. Well, I think this is what was happening to David here. He was looking back and he was remembering the young time ty- when he was young in those times of freedom and innocence and joy and fun, and you know it was just a wonderful time in his life. And I think he looked back on that, you know, in Psalm 55. And we read Psalm 55 just a couple of weeks ago. Whenever he was in hiding from Absalom, his own son, who wanted to kill him and take his throne from him, you remember what he said in Psalm 55, how that he longed to be out of that situation. Here's what he said, Psalm 55 and 6. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like just running away? Do you ever feel like a little bit of escapism? If he could just get out from under, sometimes, you know, David or Elijah sat under a juniper tree, didn't he? And he said, "Lord, it is enough. I can't do this anymore. I, I've, I've just, I've just had enough." Old Jeremiah, he said, "Lord, I'm, I'm never going to prophesy in your name again. Every time I prophesy, I get into trouble, and people hate me. They want to stone me. They want to kill me. Lord, I'm, I'm just not going to ever do this again." That's how he felt. And of course that was escapism, wasn't it? You remember Jonah who sat under a gourd and he bemoaned his lot in life? And sometimes we are like that. You know, when things get tough and the pressure comes on and things is not working out and, and it seems the whole world's against you. Uh, there's just moments when you just wish you were somewhere else and doing something else. It's a little bit of escapism. And I think that's exactly where David was at this time. He just was looking back at the good times and the times when no pressure and nobody was after him to kill him and he didn't have all the responsibility that was on his shoulders. And I think he was looking for the simple things of life. You know, looking after sheep was simple in comparison to looking after people. Well, pastor's Job, the sheep are the people. But David, when he was looking after the sheep, apart from the odd lion and the odd bear they killed, most days was quite good. He would look after the sheep. He would wander with them. But then life can become very complicated. It can become very tricky. Life can be so involved, can't it? One day it's a breeze. The next day it's a storm. One day you feel like you're flying with eagles. The next day you feel like a turkey. (laughs) One day David was a hero. The next day he felt he was a heel. The weight of responsibility had come upon him. And sometimes that comes upon us. The responsibility of parenthood. Responsibility of married life. The responsibility of our job, our career, our future that we're trying to work out in life and suddenly all the pressure and suddenly life's not so easy anymore and we're not sure what to do next and all of that just comes upon us. The Apostle Paul has an encouragement for us when he said in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, We are hard pressed on every side but he said we're not crushed. We are perplexed but we're not in despair. We're persecuted but we're not forsaken. We're struck down but we're not struck out. Life involves dealing with people and people don't come and neat little identikit clone packages. They come in all shapes and sizes of personality, don't they? Some are easy, some are so lovely, others are tetchy, others are prickly. <laughs> but we've got to deal with it, haven't we? They come in all shapes and sizes. The Apostle Paul wrote about them in Romans 16. You remember he wrote a very long list of people that he remembered that helped him in ministry. And he had some very close friends. Timothy was a very close friend. Young man. And if you read through his epistles, you'll see that he mentions them by name. And he commends them. Because everybody needs a friend, don't we? Everybody needs a friend. It would be a miserable, poor life if we did not have friends. Now, we know that when we talk about friendship, there is levels of friendship. But there are some friends that are real confidants. There are some people that you feel totally comfortable with and that you can share with. There's other people, there's a certain level of friendship. And that's fine. Jesus, out of the 12, had the three that he felt the most comfortable with in those crisis moments in the garden and different places, and even the Mount of Transfiguration, it was those three, Peter, James, and John, that he took aside each time to be with him in those very sensitive moments. So that's fine. And so Paul writes a whole big long list, over 30 he names of people who were his friends, who helped him in ministry, and he remembered every single one of them. But then in 2 Timothy 4.14, here's the other side of that. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord reward him according to his works. That sounds a bit like an Old Testament prayer, doesn't it? That's like a prayer that David would have prayed in the Old Testament in the Psalms. I've often thought about that prayer. You know, Jesus talked about bless those who curse you and despitefully use you. Paul says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. (laughs) <laughs> so he wasn't perfect, sure he wasn't. <laughs> he had a wee bit of an attitude there, hadn't he, you know? <laughs> and it is great to have real friends. All Queen Victoria, when she reigned, uh, there was two great prime ministers in her day, uh, William Gladstone and Benjamin Disraeli. And she said about the two of them, she says, you know, When Gladstone comes to meet me, she says, I feel that I am in the company of one of the great world leaders. But she says, when Disraeli comes to visit me, he makes me feel that I'm one of the great world leaders. (laughs) And there's a difference, isn't there? Wasn't it Henry Ford who said one time, he was out having dinner with a friend, and this man said to Mr. Ford, what is a true friend? Is it, and he mentioned several people that he knew that Ford knew. And Henry Ford says no. And he took out a pen and he wrote a napkin and he reached of it. And it says on it, a true friend is the one who brings out the best in you. That's a true friend. The one who brings out the best in you. And David had surrounded himself, and here was these three great, mighty men, who was prepared even to die for him if necessary. These were great friends. Perhaps the well of Bethlehem reminded him of his past victories. Maybe when he was looking back, he remembered killing the lion and the bear. What a feat that was. Or the day that Samuel the prophet came to his house to anoint him king. Remember that incident? God said to Samuel, why are you mourning about Saul? I want you to go on to anoint someone in his, his place. My choice. I want you to go to the house of Jesse. Won't you know one of his sons is king over Israel? Remember how Samuel went? And how Jesse began to bring his sons out? Eliab stood before him, tall, handsome, kingly looking. Surely the Lord's anointed is before me, Samuel said. And God says, You're only looking at the outside, but you're not looking at the heart. I've discounted him. And then another one came. And then another one, another one, seven of them in all came and stood before Samuel. And God said, It's none of them. He said to Jesse, Have you any more sons? he says, Yeah, got the wee boys out there. Look, you see him looking after the sheep, the runt of the litter. He says, Bring him. Whenever David came, he was just a boy, ruddy, bright eyes, the Bible says. The Lord says, This is him. This is the one. Anoint him to be king over Israel. So maybe David was looking back at that specific time in his life because now Saul is trying to kill him. Saul has already been bypassed by God. The anointing's already lifted off him. David's already been anointed king, but he he can't get on the throne because Saul won't let him. Saul wants to kill him to stop that. So maybe he remembered that. Obviously, he would remember the time when he killed Goliath of Gath, when he stood alone in the valley of Elah to face that nine-foot giant again as a boy. Or maybe it was a time at Ziklag when David encouraged himself in the Lord. Remember that time in Ziklag in 1 Samuel 30 and how that whenever they came back to the camp, they were encamped at Ziklag, The Amalekites had raided his camp and taken away his two wives and taken away all of the wives and all of the sons and all of the daughters of all of his men that was with him at that time, all of them alive, taken captive. And the people thought to stone David. They thought to stone him, blamed him. And he went before the Lord and he says, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And he encouraged himself, the Bible says, in the Lord. And he prayed and he sought God. Shall I pursue after this troop or shall I not? And the Lord said, pursue, for you shall surely recover all. And he gathered up his men and he went and he recovered every single one of them. What great victories he had to look back on. And there's a great principle here in our lives. When things are tough and it looks like nothing's working, you've got to look back at the victories in your life that God has already done for you. And if God brought you through that, he can bring you through this. If God showed up then, he can show up now. If God provided then, he'll provide today. And it's only by looking back on your victories in the past and hit that rewind button and replay those victories in your mind and say, God, you were with me then, you're with me now. You helped me that day, you'll help me this day. Do you remember in Lamentations chapter 3 how that he said about the Lord's faithfulness, This I recall to my mind. And he begins to think about the Lord's faithfulness and he says, his faithfulness and his mercies, they are new every morning. His mercies every day, he said, they're fresh and they're new. What a blessing to look back on how God has brought us out. Yes, it's true that the Apostle Paul could remember every stripe and every beating and every trial, every interrogation. He could remember every shipwreck. Every day he hungered and thirsted. He listed them all. How could he ever forget them? He had the very scars on his body. But he always remembered his victories. Because here's what he writes, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding weight of eternal glory. I know all of that has happened. But he says, actually, it's going to work to my advantage. And it's going to give me a great eternal weight of glory in that day. What an attitude. Second Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Glory to God. Let me encourage you tonight. Look back on a previous victory. Look back at a time when you thought, Lord, how will I ever manage this? How will I ever get through this? How will I ever see light at the end of this tunnel? But here you are tonight, and you got the victory. You've probably long since forgotten about it. It's maybe that long ago you've forgotten about it. But maybe God says, remind yourself. Because when you remind yourself of that, you're reminding yourself of his goodness and his grace in your lives. And we have so many testimonies, haven't we? If you look back and count all the blessings from when you get saved, even maybe before you get saved, how God was in your life protecting you and guarding you. And then you get saved. And after all these years of serving him, you can look back and you can see so many times when God blessed and God came through. I can look back on so many times in ministry. Remember I used to go for big, big, long, long walks. Just me and the Lord. Talking it out. Talking it through. Asking for his help. For his grace. For his wisdom. For his guidance. Not knowing what I was going to do next. But then God came through. And you can look back and say, The Lord was in it. The Lord was with me through the whole thing. Because looking back, it's always 20 20 vision, isn't it? When you look back, it's easy to see looking back. But that's what encourages us to look ahead and remind ourselves he was with us then, he's with us now, he'll be with us in the future. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'll be with you even unto the end, he promises. And then David finally, David gets his cup of cold water. Adino, Eliezer, and Shammah. Suddenly, they stopped what they were talking about, and they said, I can imagine them saying, Did David just say he wanted a drink from that well in Bethlehem? Did I hear him right? Yeah, that's what he said. So, he really wants that drink? Let's get it for him. But sure, there's hundreds of Philistines, they're all over Bethlehem. It doesn't matter. Let's get him the drink. We can take them. I'd love, to, I'd love to read the whole story. It doesn't tell us, but of those three going into Bethlehem, it was crawling with Philistines. And there the three of them went in. Did they go in the middle of the night? I don't know. Did they go in, in broad daylight? I don't know. They had the courage to do it anyway. But they went in. wonder how many they killed to get it. I don't know. But they got that drink of water for David. And they took it back to David. And he gave it to him. And it so touched his heart, it so moved him that his three friends, true friends, loyal friends, would do that for him that he said, I can't drink this. He says, I'll give it as a drink offering unto the Lord. And he poured it out unto the Lord. What a lovely act by them. What a lovely act by him. You know, that would be something that would stick in his mind, that these three would do that for him. Isn't it wonderful when you got a real friend, a true friend who will do something for you? The Bible talks about a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18:24. Proverbs 17:17, 17, 17, "A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I thank God for friends. I thank God for people who went the extra mile for me and with me. Have you got some friends like that? People that you can trust? Sometimes they're in very short supply in this world. you found that out, haven't you? But there's people who will be your lifelong friends make sure you stay friends with them because they're precious and they will encourage you and they will help you and they will pray for you and if you're in trouble, they'll be there for you. An awful thing to be in trouble and nobody's there for you and David's sitting in that cave that day surrounded by 600 people whom the Bible says were in debt and all kinds of trouble (laughs) but there was a few in it Who really loved him and cared for him and helped him. Thank God we have got Jesus as our friend. Yes, we need earthly friends. Yes, we need people with skin on them to help us. But thank God we have got a true friend in Jesus. He's not going to leave us, he's not going to forsake us. He'll be with us unto the end, he'll be there for us in every situation. He's just a breath, a prayer way. He sits at the right hand of the Father and his ear is open to her cry and his eye is over the righteous, the Bible says. So David got his drink of water and he poured it out onto the Lord as a drink offering. And in that, doing that, he said, Lord, I thank you for these friends. I thank you that there's somebody who's even willing to light in their life for me and to take the risk with me. <laughs> David eventually got on the throne and no doubt he rewarded many of his friends. He wasn't going to live in a cave all of his life. He was going to come through that particular sticky patch and all of us get sticky patches in life, don't we? But we come through it. Every storm will blow itself out eventually. The trick is to hang in there and grab the Lord and don't budge. And the storm will blow itself out. And you'll still be standing at the end of it. When David got his throne, he became Israel's greatest king that ever lived. Wonderful psalmist, great musician, a great king of Israel. But in that cave, that day, at that moment, if ever he needed somebody to back him, to be with him, to stand by his side, it was that day, and he got them. These three great mighty men was by his side. Let's pray.